Okay. Hey, what's your name? Nice to have you today. Take it easy. I know. I'm glad you're here. Okay. Hey, I haven't seen you guys in a while. How are you? Good to see you today. All right. Okay, we got a group of us here today. Good to see you all. I'm so glad that you're here. We got one more coming. Killian, come on up. Killian, come over here. Yeah. All right. And one big kid. <laughs> all right, let's pray. Let's re- re- extend your hands, if you would, please, toward the children. Lord, we thank you for these children. You love them so much. And they love Jesus. Help them learn more about him today. I pray that you bless their teacher in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Ryan. Looks like he's back there. Okay. Okay. So a husband was waiting at the mall to meet his wife, they were going to go shopping. And this is some years ago before cell phones. So the wife wasn't going to be able to make it and no way to let the husband know. So he's sitting there patiently for 15 minutes, impatiently for 15 minutes. When he finally saw one of those, remember these things at the mall? They were the booths that you could go and take a photo. And usually you'd make a goofy face or something like that. So he being a little bit angry and impatient was making horrible, angry faces for the four photographs. And so he, he got those and he said, well, I'm going to give these to my wife to let her know just how mad I am that she made me wait so long. So he gave her those photos and she put them in her purse. And whenever anyone asks, are you married? She pulls out those photos. You know, we spend a lot of time waiting, don't we? There's the intense waiting of childhood, waiting for Christmas morning, waiting for the last day of school, waiting through endless car trips. Are we there yet? Waiting to grow whiskers, waiting to grow up. There's the bittersweet waiting of romance, waiting for her to notice you, waiting for him to ask you out, waiting for her to get ready, waiting for him to pop the question, waiting for the results of your pregnancy test, waiting through your ninth month of pregnancy. Some waiting is more painful, waiting for the jury to reach a verdict, waiting for biopsy results. Waiting for your teenager when it's two in the morning and she hasn't called. The poor wait more than the rich. They wait in soup lines and welfare lines and unemployment lines. They wait in emergency rooms and free medical clinics. They cannot pay with money, so they pay with little chunks of their life. Don't you wish there was a pill you could take to make you instantly patient? And I would suggest not praying for patience because you know what happens. You get problems which help you learn to be more patient. I have to admit this morning, I struggle a bit with this one. I can really be impatient sometimes. I'm very restless on our day off if we don't have a lot to do. It's hard for me just to sit there and be still. I need to work on this. Sometimes I get impatient waiting on my wife to get ready. I get impatient on the laptop, 
when it doesn't download instantly and I have to wait two seconds for something to come up on the computer and I'm hitting those buttons. Other drivers out there. Oh, man, don't get me started on other drivers. How about you? You impatient? Any areas of your life? As we're going through the book of James, we're in chapter five. We're moving now from where James was condemning the rich landowner oppressors. And he begins to comfort the poor, persecuted Christians. He encourages them by telling them that the Lord is going to come back. and He's going to set everything right again. But you need patience until then. He uses the word patient or patience four times just in this paragraph and the word steadfast twice. And he uses three different illustrations to teach us the when, the why and the how of patience. Let's look at our text this morning. James chapter five, seven through twelve. Be patient Therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord, see how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. But above all, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth. Or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. So let's look at when should I be patient. Here's the first reason. When circumstances are beyond my control. We see that in verse 7. Have you figured out yet that much of life is beyond your control? And so James uses the illustration of the farmer To make that point, I would say don't go into farming unless you're patient. In Israel, most rain fell in the months of December and February. Rains in autumn came after the planting and in the spring before harvesting. Now, it's just the opposite here. The American farmer might have to wait longer for the spring rains to be over to plant because the fields are too wet. Then he may have to wait longer in the fall to harvest again if the fields are too wet. He has no control over the weather. And no farmer in his right mind would plant a crop, wait two weeks, and then dig it all up to see if it was growing. But do you do that in other areas of life? A lot of life is planting seeds. You put those seeds in the ground and you have to wait for them to bring forth results. We don't always see immediate results. Especially in ministry, you got to be patient. What do you do in situations that are beyond your control? Oftentimes, we try and control it. Some of us, maybe you, are a control freak. Some of us are worry warts. But does worrying really help? 
it really doesn't. To worry about something you can change is just outright dumb. Change it. To worry about something you can't change is useless. Don't worry. Be patient, says James. Here's a second win. I need patience. When people don't change. Verse 10. James illustrates this point with the Old Testament prophet. What was the duty of a prophet of God? It was to deliver the word of God to the people. Usually a call for repentance because of sin in their life. How do people respond? Most often they resist that word. Noah pleaded with his generation for maybe 120 years and only his family was saved. Jeremiah prophesied to people who yelled at him, threatened him, put him in jail, tossed him in a well. It's a tough job being a prophet and not too many people signed up for it. Is there someone that you would like to change? Maybe you're sitting there thinking, yeah, my spouse. Brides, remember the wedding day and the pastor said, you come down the aisle to the altar to him. And then a few years of marriage, you're saying, I'll alter him. And I say, good luck with that. It's nearly impossible to change another person. You're just better off saying, I'm going to change myself. Meanwhile, we need patience in relationships with difficult people. They may never change. So you're going to need lots of patience. That word patience, interesting Greek word, macrothumos. Macro means big or long. Thumos means heat. So we get our word thermos, keeps in the heat. Thermometer measures heat. It literally means a long fuse. So you can picture that imagery. The patient person has a long fuse. It burns, 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 burns for a long time before it finally explodes. And this word is always used with people, never circumstances. Patience in the scripture is always used with people. We need a long fuse with irregular people. And I'm convinced that success in marriage requires patience. Three, when problems are unexplainable. When problems are unexplainable, I need patience. Verse 11, James cites Job, who played in the World Series of Suffering. He was the wealthiest man in the East. He had ten grown kids. He was very religious. He would actually offer sacrifices every morning for his ten children in case one of them forgot to praise God. But then his world blew up. All his adult children were killed in a tornado. He went bankrupt. He lost everything. He became very ill. He developed a painful, very painful skin disease. This all happened almost at once, and you think you had problems. All he had left was his wife, who only said two things to him in the book of Job. Curse God and die, and your breath is offensive to me. Wow, talk about a support system. Now, of course, she was hurting too, right? She lost all her kids and her household. But God allowed Satan to take everything away from Job except his wife. And the worst part was not knowing why 
A good God would allow him to suffer so much. He didn't know and understand the wager that God and Satan had going on of how God was putting all this confidence and trust in Job to stay true to him. And then at the end of the book, when God finally does speak to him, he really doesn't tell him why and explain himself. He just says, I'm God. Look, life isn't fair. God never said it would be. We live in a fallen world of sin. We face a devil, the enemy of our soul who wants to destroy us. Our own flesh undermines our best intentions. We don't always understand God's ways. Yet Job was steadfast. The word is hupo meno. It means fortitude, which no situation can defeat. And it's always used with circumstances, never with people. To deal triumphantly with all life throws at you is to be steadfast. Job remained true to God, even though he did not understand all the bad things that were happening to him. Have you ever gone through a hard time in your life? Well, I look out and I see you all sitting here. So I see that you survived that hard time. So you know what? You have a 100% success rate of surviving hard times. When circumstances are beyond your control, when people don't change, and when problems are unexplainable, you need patience. Now let's talk about the why question. Why? Why do I need patience? Why be patient? Reason one, because God is coming to judge and he's in control. We see that in verse eight. So if God is really in control, guess who isn't? You. Two times, James says, the coming of the Lord. And once in this passage, the purpose of the Lord. After Jesus' resurrection and ascension to heaven, he inaugurated the last days, the already but not yet. So theologically speaking, the entire church age is considered the last days. So when the Bible speaks about the coming of the Lord is near the last days, you understand that theologically that's correct. And we're 2,000 years closer to his actual coming. Nothing can stop it. There are over 300 references in the Bible to the second coming of the Lord, much more than the first coming. God's in control of history because it's his story. It says he's coming back as judge to judge. Mrs. Yoder would leave our third grade class for a minute. And she was always very frustrated when she came back because I would be out of my chair walking around talking to the other students during tests, during quiet times, any time. She got so frustrated that she took twine and tied my hands to the back of my little chair that I was sitting in and took her hanky and gagged me. I don't recommend doing that today, teachers. But thankfully, Harry Campbell snuck in during recess and untied me and ungagged me and allowed me to go outside and play. God's in control. Nothing could alter his ultimate plan. History is moving inexorably toward the tribulation and the second coming of Christ. And it's getting closer and closer. He's coming back to judge, but he will take care of you. You fit into his eternal cosmic plan. 
So when circumstances are beyond your control, you still have hope. Hope in the second coming of Jesus Christ. Are you ready? Verse 8, he says, establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord. That word means strengthen your hearts. How do you strengthen a muscle? You exercise it. And you also, through endurance, you keep running longer and longer distances. Your, your legs, your muscles get stronger. So God uses the problems in our life to build up our muscles, spiritually speaking, so we can endure and our trust in God goes stronger. The situation may be out of control, but God's still in control. Colossians 1.11, being strengthened with all power, resurrection power, according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. Let's do another why. Why do I need patience? Because God rewards patience. That's good to know. Verse 11. The farmer receives a harvest. Job was doubly blessed. Let's read two verses in Job 42. Verse 10. And the Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he had prayed for his friends. And the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. So at the end of your life, as you're getting older, know this, that God can doubly bless you. Verse 12, and the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning. And he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen and 1,000 female donkeys. And I also believe he remained fully married to his wife. God rewarded the prophets. Jesus says that in Matthew 5, 12. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. God rewards patience. Your character grows. God trusts you with more and more responsibility. You're healthier because you don't worry so much. You accomplish much more because you stick it out. You don't give up at the first sign of trouble. Others admire you for your faith and patience. Yeah, some people will criticize you. But hang in there. God will reward you if you're patient. Third reason why. Because God is working things out. God is working things out. We see that in verse 11. James says you'll see the purpose of the Lord. Job didn't see the purpose of the Lord. He didn't understand it. But there is a purpose. Always God is working behind the scenes. That's called God's providence. God's hand is at work. You can trust him. Denial isn't denial of your request or delay isn't denial of the request. You may be praying something for a long time and you're wondering, why doesn't God answer? Well, his not yet doesn't mean he's saying no. I want it yesterday, but I have to wait. God isn't in a hurry, but he's never late. He's always on time. And now let's look at the how question. How do I become more patient? What am I supposed to do while I wait? Grumble a little bit to everybody? Maybe cuss a little? Grit my teeth? James's three illustrations, again, show us as we apply his word to our lives, how to wait patiently. First, wait expectantly. 
Verse 7. Wait expectantly. The farmer waits for the harvest. The farmer expects the harvest. That's why he farms. He doesn't farm because he just loves to put his hands in the dirt. He doesn't farm because he just loves to plant seeds. He loves the harvest. It's the same way with pastoring. I really see a parallel there very clearly. You plant so many seeds in ministry. And you have to wait. And sometimes you see a good crop. Sometimes you don't see any crop at all. But you still plant. You trust and you expect. So what does the farmer do while he waits? He prepares for the harvest. He, he creates room in his barn. He fixes the equipment. He calls buyers on the phone. Waiting is preparation time for your soul. The psalmist in 135 says, I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. And in his word, I hope. So what are you waiting on? A spouse? A boyfriend? A girlfriend? A friend? Then focus on preparing to be the best person you can be. Are you waiting on God to heal you? Well, are you exercising? Are, are you eating well? You're waiting on God to help you in your finances. So are you getting out of debt? Are, are you saving a little bit? Are you giving generously? You're waiting on your spouse to get saved. Are you praying for them? Are you loving them like Christ loves the church? Are you waiting on Christ's return? So you're getting your heart and your life ready for that. Okay. So do I really expect God to answer my prayers? How am I showing that? It's a drought. No rain for a long time. When you leave the house, do you carry an umbrella? I got an interesting example in Acts chapter 12, the early church. Peter's in prison. They're going to execute him the next day. The church is gathered there to pray for him. An angel of the Lord miraculously comes into that cell, unbinds Peter's chains, unlocks the doors, leads him out. He goes to the house where all the Christians are gathered. He knocks on the door. He speaks to the servant girl, Rhoda, who, who's at the door. She hears his voice, runs back and tells all the rest of them. Peter's at the door. And they say, are you out of your mind? It can't be Peter. Maybe it was his dead spirit on the way to heaven stopping to say hello. They didn't even believe, even though they were standing there and sitting there all night praying for him. Am I expectant when I pray? You know what? A lot of times I think I'm waiting on God. And the truth of the matter is, I think God is waiting on me. Maybe he would have answered my prayer sooner if I was ready, but I wasn't ready, so I couldn't receive it. Many times Jesus told his disciples, I have more to share with you, but you're not able to handle it yet. God says to me sometimes, Ed, when are you going to grow up? I want you to get deeper in me. I want to bless you so much more, but you can't handle what I want to give you. When you have bigger spiritual muscles, then see what I'm going to do for you. Isaiah forty nine twenty three. Here's a great promise. Take it to yourself. Kings shall be your foster fathers and their queens, your nursing mothers with their faces to the ground. They shall bow down to you and lick the dust of your feet. Then you will know that I am the Lord. Those who wait for me shall not be put to shame. 
Joseph waited 13 years in jail. David waited seven years to be king. Abraham waited 25 years for Isaac to be born. Moses waited 40 years in the wilderness before he could go into the promised land and he never made it. Years of preparation. Jesus waited 30 years before he began his ministry of three years. 30 years of preparation for three years of ministry. God was preparing him and God is preparing you. Second application point. How do I wait? Wait quietly. Verse 9 and verse 12 tell us that. We run our mouths when we're impatient, don't we? We grumble to other people so they'll hurry up. Or we make oaths to God to hurry him up. Oaths were allowed in Israel, but they weren't recommended. Whenever you made an oath in that day, oftentimes oaths got God's name attached to the end of it. So you better fulfill that oath. But Jesus and James discourage oath making. They say your word should be enough. You don't need to give an oath. It's hard to wait and it's harder to wait quietly because I want to talk about how hard it is for me to wait. So everybody will think what a martyr I am. So we grumble and fuss at everybody else. And and James says, God's going to judge that. He's standing right at the door. Lamentations 326. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Wait quietly. Do you have a dream in your heart? That God hasn't fulfilled yet, then keep it to yourself for now. Wait and trust God. Let him open the doors. Quit grumbling to other people. Quit trying to impress God with your promises and vows. Wait quietly. And the last thing here is wait confidently. Wait confidently. Verse 11. As bad as things got for Job, he never lost his confidence in God. In Job 13, 15, Job says, though he slay me, I will hope in him. Yet I will argue my ways to his face. And I really love Job 19, 25 and 26. I think this is one of the most amazing verses of the Old Testament. For I know that my Redeemer lives and at the last he will stand upon the earth. And after my skin Has been thus destroyed. Job says in the Old Testament. Remember. Yet in my flesh. I shall see God. That's confidence. Think of the POWs in wars. Many of them that made it. Had confident. America was not going to let them down. But was going to come for them. Fellow Marines. No. My Marine buddies. They're going to come for me. They come for their own. Do you need patience? Do you have an unbearable home situation you're dealing with? A work situation, a health concern, an unfulfilled dream. The spirit would say to you today, be patient. God's in control. He is going to come again. And his feet are going to stand on this earth and make everything right. Until then, we need patience. And be assured he will reward your patience, if not in this life, certainly in the next. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for this 
time to talk about the, the idea of patience and that important virtue. Thank you for James's instruction to us today. May we be careful to put your word into practice in our lives and see the changes that it makes. I, I would venture this morning that almost every one of us in this room needs patience. Lord, would you develop that virtue in us? In Jesus' name, amen.